Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to the broad street hockey green room live post game my name is bill Matz. i'm your director of funny games for the evening what a uh, what a perfect loss right i mean it's not a regulation loss and that's bad and it, it just uh, poetically a perfect loss a team that just uh, cannot get out of its own way a team that can just not defend its way out of a paper bag uh thank god they gave five five plus million dollars a year to uh, a guy who can't defend. But, you know, it's not really all about Rasmus Ristolainen. and he is but a symptom of the greater of the greater illness that is the Philadelphia Flyers and their ineptitude. Um you know, decent enough game tonight. They played well against a uh, a shit team like like the Habs, they've been. I mean, the Habs have been way better than the Flyers lately since uh, since Marty St. Louis took over. This is their what are they now? I think it's eleven games. They're like eight, two, and one or something. Like Montreal is awesome. And really looking at looking at Montreal tonight and watching them since Marty St. Louis took over. You know, we've talked on BSH Radio recently about what really plagues the Flyers and how the you know, old boys network and everything has just stuck with them. And that's part of the reason for their, uh, their run of mediocrity and watching the Habs tonight. I thought, you know, even a guy like Marty St. Louis with no coaching experience to speak of, like, it's not like Montreal's good or anything, but just putting your guys in position to tell them, Hey, this is what you do best, so this is what we're going to do. And building the offense that way, just building your strategy around what your players do best, not uh, not building it around what you do best. Uh, I think maybe, you know, if Danny Briere were the coach of this team, at least he's somebody, while he is part of the good, good old boys network, at least he's somebody who played in and excelled in the new NHL. Maybe we could get that happening. You know, I think Danny Briere is slotted to become the GM of this team uh, one day very soon. But, you know, what about as a coach in that sort of role, having a day-to-day impact on the actual players on the roster and telling them, this is what you're good at, so this is what I'm asking you to do. Don't you think that would have a positive influence on somebody like Morgan Frost, even somebody like Rasmus Ristolainen, who does some things well, but they've asked him to play this role that he's just not suited for, but they want him to do it because he's tall, you know? Uh, But 
I got lots of I got lo- lots of thoughts on this game, but mostly I've been drinking all day. So I want to react to what you all have to say, and uh, let's lead that off with Harris Barnes. Harris, you're live on the post game. What's up, Bill? Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. How's it going, Harris? Uh, fine. I really wasn't able to watch much of the game other than uh, I mean I saw that the. Habs tied it and then won it in OT. So then I guess my initial thought is, uh, yeah, it's York over Caulfield all over again, right? It was, like, again, like poetically perfect, that guy who we all wanted killing us. And, like, maybe York turns out to be a very good player. It could happen. Maybe Caulfield isn't as good as he was last year and isn't as good as he has been under Marty St. Louis, and he's somewhere in the middle. But – Man, it seems like they really passed on a star in that spot. Um, I remember there being talk at that draft that who on that the development program was actually really good, and then who was just getting their stats inflated by playing with a bunch of all-stars against typically weaker teams. Do you think that they thought that York would actually be – well, I mean, he's still very well because he's still so young, but do you think – that he's going to be dynamic offensively, or is he just going to be a good three that's not going to be bad in zone zone? But he he doesn't have that dynamic ability. He's not even as good like right now as Bjorn Foot on the Kings as a defenseman. So like I'm just wondering where that goes. Yeah, like in my head, he's that. He's like, okay, yeah, we have him as a three, and that's fine. And you know, maybe he finally gets some power play time, and we start to unlock some of that offense. I'm not saying he can't be something else. But right now, if he is the lead guy on a second pair, oh, man, that would be exciting for York. And the idea of taking him over Caulfield still just upsets me. Yeah, and it's just like my bias with defensemen is I think there's three types. There's the elite offensive guys, the Eric Carlsons, the the Kale McCars, the uh, Brent Burns. You have those types. You have the shutdown types like Jacob Slavin and previously Mark Edward Vlasic. And then you have the big hitters of the Scott Stevens, Darius Kasparitis variety. And it, I don't think York's going to be a shutdown guy. And I just don't know if he's going to be an offensive guy, like a pure offensive guy. So, like, I just don't see a super high ceiling. Like, yeah, he, he could be a very good three, but... And, it, like, it's not bad. Guys. With, like, he's a very good three yeah. with a four who is as good as him. Like, that's how – like, he's not carrying the pair. He's just a nice part of that pair. Then then who's going who's gonna to be the, the next franchise defenseman? They've been looking for it since Pronger got high stick in the eye. No long, not yet with the organization. The next franchise defenseman. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what Ellis could do next year and everything. But the next franchise defenseman is not yet with the organization. That's pretty clear. Like some some wild could happen, and Provorov could suddenly, you know, get back to being what we thought he was. I don't think that's the case. So I just think the next franchise defenseman. We don't have him yet. We don't know who he is. And then that makes me think if they're like picking fourth or fifth if he's there they're taking Nemitz the Slovakian defenseman or they could trade down and take Juracek from the Czech Republic but um like that's who I think like a, a a bit like tall right shot offensive defenseman who can produce insanely well already at the pro level and maybe that's the guy I, they're going to take the best player available but that's just like what I'm projecting out right now 
Yeah, it's and right now all we can do, and thanks a lot, Harris. Right now all we have is projecting to uh, projecting to the draft, projecting to what they're going to do at uh, you know at, in the offseason, free agency, make trades at the draft, all that. I will say, despite uh, and I just refreshed the NHL league standings, despite the loser point tonight, uh, the Flyers are currently in fourth to last. Uh, they have 47 points, same number as Ottawa, who has one fewer game played. The Flyers are below a 400 points percentage, maybe for the first time all season. But, yeah, they're the Flyers now below a 400 points percentage. And despite that loser point, uh, they're doing what we want them to do, and that's lose. Losses are wins. I would have liked to lose in regulation, especially, like, you're playing Montreal, and they suck. So, you know, maybe a win and that's fine. But if you're going to lose, fucking do it in regulation. Uh, but despite that, they have lost a little ground in the standings. Uh, let's go to Chris H. Chris H., you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill, how you doing? How's it going tonight, Chris? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I think people need to slow down on York. I know they're like, you know, they're trying to throw York under the bus. I mean, this guy... <laughs> The Flyers have put this kid in such a no-win position. It's like, here, kid, go up and you know, play a ton of minutes against a you know with a partner that's not even good. And then on top of that, you got to carry the offensive load because we don't have anybody else on the back end that can do that. So, because we don't have Ellis, he was supposed to be the only guy that could do that. And you know, hopefully, he can produce offense with these terrible forward group that's abysmal. And he's just under so much pressure. He needs. I mean, the perfect situation for York was everybody could stay healthy, which wasn't going to happen because our medical training staff isn't good enough. Um, and he would be in a third pair limited role, you know, maybe 12, 13 minutes a night, you know, and you ease him into everything. But it's like, throw him into the fire, you know, let's put him out there. Let's put him out there in every situation. And it could ruin this guy's confidence because you're throwing so much at him. He might make mental mistakes. And it's just, it's not, it's really not fair to him, honestly. No, I, I like assessing, like I just did. I just said, I don't know if his ceiling is like star or anything, but I like, I don't want to, I don't want to throw anything on York. Like, I think he's going to be a good player for this team. Uh, And right now, I mean, all year, honestly, if if you take Ellis out of the equation, he might be one of their two best defensemen uh, all season. You know, even in his limited time, I just like, yeah, so much is expected of him because he comes up and is so much better than pretty much everything we've been seeing. It is unfair to him. I hope uh, ultimately like it works in favor of his development. Like he saw so much shit his first couple of times in the NHL that ultimately he unlocks parts of his game. But just judging his game what it is right now. Yeah, he can he can do good for you on the power play and he can be a nice second pair defenseman, but it's just watching Cole Caulfield succeed with Marty St. Louis makes, uh, makes it bitter. Uh, Like even when York plays well, you're still bitter about it. Yeah, I understand that. And I mean, I I think they need, I don't know what they're going to do next year. I mean, cause I'm assuming the pairings are going to be Provy Ellis, Risto Sanheim. So they're probably going to give York, you know, what's left over. He needs a good partner. I mean, don't put this kid with some garbage player next year, some veteran, because you know they're going to sign some dude on a one-year deal 
You know, he's not washed up. He's completely washed up like they did this year with the Andal. And they're going to be like, you know, go out there and make some magic happen. He needs to, he needs, they need to trade for a defenseman. They don't really have anybody in the system, I can say, that really can step into an NHL role right now, sadly, because the prospect system, I'm not seeing a lot down there to get excited about. I mean, maybe, I know that's a negative viewpoint, but I, it's just bad, Bill. <laughs> oh, it's it's horrible. And like my like ultimately I would love to see him like I want to see Provorov and York together because Provorov Same. in or, in order to play well, Provorov needs a competent puck mover. And if nothing else, York is probably that. And also I want another top pair defenseman to play with Ellis because Provorov's proven he's not that guy. If one of the two at the top get hurt, Provorov can slide up and take those minutes. But since he can only play well with certain guys, like I don't want to depend on him as the top pair guy. So I would want somebody else to go with Ellis and then York and Provorov to figure it out and York become that, you know, puck mover for Provorov. But they just have so many issues and so little cap space. Like I have no goddamn clue how they're going to figure this out this off season. Yeah, it's a bunch have, of puzzle pieces that don't fit together. They have so many guys locked up the big contracts on the defense. You really can't move anybody out. You just have to maneuver. So, I mean, to me, my perfect situation would be you put, you know, the top pairing, you put Ellis and maybe Sandheim. I mean, maybe you could do something because Sandheim and Risto, Risto just drags his entire game down. He Risto drags everybody's game down because he sucks. So he's just going to have – he needs to be on a third pair, ideally. Risto needs to be on a third pairing, maybe on a yes. second pair of Provorov and uh, York. I don't I don't agree that Ristolainen sucks, <laughs> but I do think – no, but, like, I, I overall, your point, like, yeah, I, do think, I do think San, Sanheim has a little bit more room, and that's maybe why he looks as good as he does this season, even without the point total. But – I fully understand. It's not like Risto's making plays for you out there. He's not helping anybody. It's like an intangible idea. I think maybe Sanheim has a little bit more room because of Ristolainen, but they just don't have six NHL defensemen. My, like, ideally, I would love Ristolainen on the third pair. I think he fits in perfectly in that role. I just wish they weren't paying him double the amount he <laughs> needs to do it. And my last point is, I mean, we got to look at the positives. I mean, the positive next year is Coots is coming back off back surgery. He's going to be prime <laughs> Crosby. I mean, this guy's going to put up 100 points next year. He's going to win the Hart Trophy. You know, Kevin Hayes is coming back, man. I mean, Malkin couldn't even hold his jock strap, man. I mean, Kevin Hayes, <laughs> he's elite. I mean, he, this guy, he's always battling the boards. You know, he plays on bad groins. He might look like a sloth, but he's fantastic. And we got, you know, Ellis coming back. And Ellis, I mean, he's like Paul Coffey, man. I mean, Paul Coffey, <laughs> and you got Risto, and he's Pronger. Hey, hey <laughs> Ryan Ellis at 1.25 points a game leads all NHL defensemen in points per game. He's ahead of Kale McCarr. Granted, he only played four or five games, but it happened. <laughs> Have a good night, though, Bill. Take it easy, Chris. Now, yeah, it's watching the team right now. And, like, I don't want to – I don't want to talk shit on Kevin Hayes because watching Kevin Hayes and this team, like I don't think it's a coincidence that the team looks, you know, it's visually better. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that the team just looks more engaged since Kevin Hayes has come back into the lineup. And I think Kevin Hayes makes the team 
um, it's like a, uh, a sum, a sum of the parts is greater than the whole or whatever. Like, I think Kevin Hayes makes the team better than his individual skill. It's beyond that. I think Kevin Hayes is a great leader for this team. I think he's a big piece. But, yeah, when you think that's going to be our offseason addition, if if they're unable to get, like, a Johnny Goudreau or a top-end defenseman or whatever, we're going to add Couturier, Hayes, and Ellis. Is that enough? I don't I, I do think they bring an element to this team and they'll be better, but we're looking for them to compete and they just haven't. Uh, Matt, Matt, you're live on the post game. Uh, hey, Bill, you, you got me there? Yeah, I got you. How's it going tonight, Matt? Um, I'm, I'm pretty good over here. I, uh, I too have been having some adult beverages this evening. So it, uh, you know, it, it's been a fun time. It's really uh, helped. <laughs> it's it's helped all year and it helped today. It'll help the next game. Um, you know what? I just uh, I I don't know what the hell I wanted to talk about, but um, just Farabee at the end. Um, that kid's gonna be talking a little bit more high pitched after this one, I think. That was a straight kitchen sink to the balls. Like, I. I that looked ugly. I, I felt really bad for Farabee on that one. I'm glad they drew the penalty. I wish they'd been able to kill it. Like, that's just one of those things, you know, when they lose, it's good, and I'm happy. But when something like that happens, I want them to close out the game and put it away for their guy, and they just don't. And that leaves me disappointed, even though I'm rooting for losses. Um. Yeah, you know, like, it reminded me of that, that Thorson thing from, oh. I mean, I, I don't know what year it was, but, like, you know, you, oh, you hear, like, like, a fucking pin drop and just, you know, like, one of his testicles exploding, basically, and, like, <laughs> it just reminded me of that play. That's, I'll never forget the headline, like, Thorson will keep testicle. <laughs> like, oh, good. Oh, good. It didn't explode. I yeah, think that no. was the 08 playoffs against the, against the Caps. It, it it very well could have been, man. Um, and then just, you know, for this game, like, I know, I mean, I don't know, some, some guys are upset about it or whatever, but, like, this was the fucking best game. Like, I, I cheered the loudest in Montreal, tie that shit up. Like, the, for for anyone that, you know, like, doubts the, the management group of this team, doubts the, the, the fucking bullies that, you know, are ruining our generation's team because they're obsessed with, hey, you know, we won with three testicles and not two. Um, <laughs> like it, it was the perfect fucking game. Like frost after being told to toughen up and play the right way. You know, the minute he doesn't play with a fucking Neanderthal and McEwen, he actually looks okay. Like shit that we've been saying forever. Ristolainen who, you know, the, the thought process is that like this guy is, you know, like the fucking next pronger and he's just, so hard, he completely loses Suzuki on goal two, takes himself out on the tying goal of the game, and all they can talk about is, oh, how he went after Gallagher. Like, it was just like Shakespeare, man. Like, it was the perfect game to shit on these guys. Just like from example after example. Um, like, I was literally cheering. It's a great, um, like, we're right sort of game. Like, it it very much validates how we feel Like all these guys who you think are the players who are going to take us out of this. They're actually the problem. 
Like it was a very validating game, and the mistakes that were made that determined the game, like were made by those specific players. Yeah, like it's I don't know, it's just a fun time, man. I, I I had some other thoughts. I don't know what the hell else to say, so I'll, I'll just <laughs> I'll I'll let you get to somebody else. Um, if you did have to guess though where Drew's gonna go, uh, are you still on Colorado? I'm on Colorado. But I'm thinking about Calgary and how the fact – and uh, thanks a lot, Matt. Um, the fact that Johnny hasn't re-signed yet in Calgary makes me think he's hitting the open market. And, you know, everybody in hockey believes, you know, Johnny's going to come to the Flyers and everything. But if I'm Calgary and I know, yeah, it kind of looks like we have an open window, but, you know, J- Jacob Markstrom is elite right now, and we have this group – Right now, like Calgary is one of two great teams in the West. It's them in Colorado, and that's it. If I'm Calgary, I have to go all in at this moment. And I think that kind of helps the Flyers situation in terms of, you know, not just trading Giroux, but in what you can get for a Braun or a Broussard. Like every team in the hunt for the Stanley Cup would be improved by adding Braun or Broussard. Uh, he, you know, Braun is better than one of your six defensemen. Broussard is better than one of your 12 forwards. So I, I just think like that idea that Calgary should be all in kind of improves the Flyers position, uh, as a selling team. But that said, you know, the East has been determined and, ha- you know, the teams that are going to sell, everyone knows what they have on the market. So we'll see. But I think, yeah, I'm still in on Giroux to Colorado, but I think Calgary's definitely a possibility, especially now that I think Giroux is coming back. Like I very much believe Giroux is going to sign here this offseason, and it might be for like a decent enough team-friendly deal that we can add another high-end player. Granted, you know, they get rid of JVR and do some other things to clear some cap. But we have all offseason to talk about that. Let's talk about tonight, and let's go to Nikki Hall. Nikki, you're live on the post game. How are you tonight, Bill? What's going on tonight, Nikki? Yeah, not much. Um, so I I kind of was half paying attention towards the end. I kind of rested my eyes for a bit. Probably should have just fell asleep. <laughs> um, that being besides the point. Um, yeah, I can definitely say that. Frost being on the first line with who was it? Drew and um and Connectney, I think. And Connectney, yeah. I gotta say that, you know, it may have been just one game, but I feel like if we can maybe put him on lines like with Drew and Connectney or like, you know, the, the the right players that, you know, he's gonna actually like, you know, do shit. Like I, I don't expect him to score goals, but like, you know, he actually looked pretty good being no, on the I first think... line tonight. I think given an extended period of time with these like, current line mates, like two of the best flyers forwards, Drew, Konechny, like he could make plays and have good chemistry with them. It's just that ultimately Drew and Voracek in their prime got 21 goals out of mm-hmm. Michael Roffel. Like mm-hmm. you could put a lot of guys in that position mm-hmm. and they will succeed. I, I I'm not saying it's bad that he succeeds with good players. You need, you know, maybe ultimately he becomes a very good third liner for you. But I mean, we they also... need players who can drive their own line. They need difference makers. And although mm-hmm. Frost looked good with other good players tonight, 
I need more out of him. I was going to say, can we, like, not necessarily build a team just around him, but build a team around some of the young guys? Like, you know, that way we can get the most out of him. Like, he's been, like, to be honest, he's been getting, like, this treatment of, like, you know, he's getting sent back down and called back up, sent back down, called back up, sent back down, called back up. It's like, yo doesn't seem to, like, I'm not, I, I don't understand his thought process. Like, you know, how is he going to properly develop in the majors if, He's not getting like, like, okay, yes, tonight was one game, but even so, like, I just think when it comes to Frost specifically, they feel as if they've given him enough opportunity and it's not about his development anymore. It's, mm -hmm. you know, when there are, when there's an open roster spot because someone's hurt, someone's out, Frost mm -hmm. can play and maybe Frost represents himself well. Maybe we can put him in the right situation to succeed, but mm -hmm. I just don't think they're all that concerned about Morgan Frost reaching a ceiling that isn't all that high. That's I just think they think he's a guy. Yeah, he's got some nice skill. He can do some things. But ultimately, he's not going to be a part of the future of this team. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's definitely one way to look at it. Um, although, okay, so the last thing, because there isn't really much to talk about the game. So I already brought up the cheap shot by uh, uh, <clears throat> with uh, Faraby. Like, I, I did not know that was actually a crotch shot. That... I can that that explains why he was down as long as he was. Like, yeah, I was he like, got that uh, knee right in there. I was like, I I have to wonder if he had got if you know he had not stayed down, would play have continued, and they probably would have scored much sooner. It like, looked like they were gonna let that go until he stayed down. Oh my god. Um, and the also with the trade deadline coming up, aside of Giroud, do we see anybody else, any other players getting moved by the deadline, or would you feel that most of the moves are gonna happen? I mean, aside of Drew, or the other moves will happen in the offseason. Do you feel like we'll have some other move with, like, besides Drew? And, you know, what names do you yeah. think – what names are out there that you would like to see? Or what names – obviously besides Johnny Hockey, even though it's not realistic, at least at this point in time. Yeah, thanks a lot, Nikki. No, I think uh, – I think Drew – that's going to take uh, – he's definitely going to play Thursday in that thousandth game, and then really the market opens for him after that. But I fully expect Derek Broussard, Justin Braun, and Martin Jones to get traded. Uh, and in total, yeah, you're not looking at huge returns, but again, tell me what cup contending team wouldn't be better by adding – Broussard or Braun. I think both of them uh, could get you at least something and getting something for these guys, since we're not going to rebuild, since we're just looking to aggressively retool, we're going to need some ammunition. And whatever extra, you know, picks, prospects, whatever you get for those three guys, Broussard, Broussard uh, Jones, and Braun, that's ammunition to add to packages to bring in good players this offseason. So I think that's huge. In terms of names, I hate speculating on player-for-player player trades. You don't know – like, you don't know what Colorado is willing to part with. If they are like, yeah, Bone Byram, you can have him. Or, oh, no, we're never trading. Like, it's just impossible to know what teams are willing to part with until it happens. So I hate speculating on that kind of stuff. I will say – I hope there is at least one, you know, not star level, but NHL caliber player who can at least compete to be in this lineup uh, involved in the Giroux trade. 
plus you know all the futures that he's worth. The futures are the thing, but if they can get young, nearly or definitely NHL-ready players, that's huge. Uh, Jack Conroy. Jack, you're live on the post game. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Yo, Bill, uh, it was, you know, kind of fun to watch Rasmus Ristolainen, our, you know, $5 million worth defenseman, slot, look like he's sliding into second base on that uh, last goal there, taking him out of the play, and then Caulfield, you know, sniping that goal, really, you know, uh, just a dunk on Fletcher there. But I want to do, uh, you know, talk about how I completely agree with, you know, your assessment with uh, Martin St. Louis being – you know, kind of this new age coach and how he's kind of jumped the Montreal Canadiens, especially their scores. And man, I would just love to see that here. Um, you know, I don't know much about the coaching market this off season, but if we're going to aggressively retool, hopefully we do it in the coaching department as well. Cause they I would love to, to see yeah. some speed. I'm, I'm sick of the broad street bullies. Let's get some broad street speedies out here. No. And that like, with this, I'm all for, you know, people want the old boys network, you know, as much as they don't, they still like, oh, I wish the, I wish the alumni was treated well and everything like, okay, if that's the case, then give me some skilled guys on the coaching staff who played in this current NHL, who know what this game is and like can tell an undersized, you know, a skilled undersized guy with some flaws, like, like Morgan Frost. This is what you need to do to succeed. Like, tell me Danny Briere couldn't tell Morgan Frost what he needs to do to succeed. You know, for the longest time, I always thought, oh, the best players, they're, uh, they don't make good coaches because so much like Michael Jordan, just like, I don't know, go be better than that guy, like I was, you know. But like a Danny Briere who had to fight his way to figure out how he could play at his size in the NHL. Like that is a lesson worth passing on. I wonder if you could get somebody like that, if not Danny, who's in the organization and part of the front office, like to be that guy to bring out some of the skill we have in these players. Yeah. And it's just like, it's so boring to watch these donkeys like JVR who's like one of the slowest players I've ever seen like I li- you can't even notice him he's he's so slow and I get like he's old and stuff but I, but like I, he's not even slow. He just plays like yeah. if if there was a loose puck at center ice, he could win that race against more than half the league. But his yeah. game is just so slow that it does not help them. Yeah, and you know, it's just crazy to think that I mean, this is like it for Giroux. I mean, maybe he'll come back in the offseason, but we got like three more games, I think, of, you know, watching Giroux, and that's just a weird, weird feeling. Um, I think this Thursday game is really it. I think he gets his thousandth game as a flyer, and then he's traded. I fully, like, 
I am now of the belief that he's probably coming back in the offseason, but I very much think after Thursday against Nashville, he's traded. Yeah, I, I like I've been, you know, preparing for it and stuff, but like I don't think I'm really going to like think about it until it hits. Kind of like, you know, the Simmons, like that kind of hit during the stadium series, but like you weren't like, you know, sad until uh, it went through. But thanks, Bill. I don't have much to talk about. I got you, Jack. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Uh, let's go to Ian Ackerman. Ian, you're alive on the post game. Ian, you're muted. There you go. Yeah, you got it. How's it going tonight, Ian? Going all right. Well, that was a doozy, huh? It was fun to watch for a good part of it. I mean, congrats to G for his 900th point and for moving up on uh... – Yeah, absolutely. 900 points for G. He gets there before 1,000 games, which, right. I don't know, feels important for some reason. Yeah, it, you know, it's just like a glass half full take on a you know dumpster fire of the last couple of years. So I'm happy for him. It was cool to, to watch. Um, man, I forgot how annoying uh, Brendan Gallagher is. What a pain in the ass. He really uh, – that – just watching them a little bit tonight reminded me of that playoff series and how fun that playoff series was because their team pissed me off. And that just really reminded me of how fun playoff hockey is and how deprived we have been. And then, of course, I got depressed about it. Yeah, right. Well, we could always think about the good times like when they got him to shut up when – I forget <laughs> who it was. But they, uh, they you know, broke his jaw or whatever. And, um, (laughs) God, um, with, uh, in regards to Drew in Colorado, do you think the Landeskog injury is going to possibly, uh, change anything as far as maybe what both teams are thinking if they're trying to work something out? I think it definitely, it doesn't hurt the Flyers leverage, but I talked about it last night and I just want to bring up the standing. So I have the current numbers. Uh, Colorado has a 11-point lead on St. Louis, a 15-point lead on Minnesota in the Central. Like, they're just in a unique position. Like, they're not Vegas. Like, Mm -hmm. by by points percentage, Vegas is out of the playoffs. And Colorado, on the other hand, they can just – they can withstand a storm. And also – their depth has been tested this year. They were without McKinnon at some points. They won a bunch of games without McKinnon. So it it doesn't hurt the Flyers, but I don't know if it makes Colorado think we have to go all in. I do think, like, the injury itself I don't think hurts Colorado's position, but maybe mm-hmm. in their in their big picture thinking, hey, we're the best team in the league. If we have one injury, we don't want to be derailed by it. We need to load up because this is it. This is our year where we have the best possible roster. Right. Okay. Uh, that's all I got. Thanks for having me on. Talk to you guys later. Have a good night, man. Right. Appreciate it, and Take it easy. Kelly, I just got to say, I love that you're in the comments, but if you want to jump in, like, I'd love to have you. Uh, but until then, let's go to Alex G. Alex G., you're live on the post game. Unmute, Alex. You hit the mute button. Alex. Hey, sorry about that, Bill. Yeah, you got it. No problem. How's it going tonight? Hey, well, you know, I I really actually uh, would have liked to see the win there, to be quite honest, like playing against the Habs. 
you kind of want to beat the shitty team in the league. Like it's, they the got to uh, into the Sabers is not all my things to do for this season, even if we are tanking. They got to a point tonight where I was like, yeah, I want to see Carter Hart close this out. I want to see the team close it out and get the, you know, put away the victory because yeah, you should be able to, you should be able to beat the worst team in the league. Did now, you how, see uh, it coming? Like as soon I mean, as that penalty yeah. was called, like yeah. did I saw it coming? I saw who was out on the ice. You know, I'm like, ah, oh, there's there's no way a they're going to hit the empty net, and b they're going to score on the power play. Like I just I had like this inevitable feeling as soon as that penalty was called. Well, and it's honestly, just you know what this team is like. This team. And, you know, as bad as they've been all year, as bad bad, as they've been, yeah, as bad (laughs) as they've been all year, the last couple of weeks they've looked better because they've been together for a little bit now, this group. They're starting to get players back like Kevin Hayes and Farabee and everything. But they just don't have what it takes to put away games. Even against the worst team in the league statistically, like Montreal, they're unable to put away a game unless Carter Hart goes nuts. It's also kind of crazy that after how many years of playing three on three in overtime, they're still they're they're still icing the slowest guys you have on the bench. Yeah. Why is Keith Yandel out on the power play in a four on three situation? Yeah. When like, you have almost anybody else on that bench that could have been better, and then when he gets to three on three, like the fucking comedy clown car of errors you know pucks going like Provorov running into a guy pucks going off the back of guy's skates like I could hear Benny Hill music in the background it was that comical that they just seem to have I don't know if it's a complete lack of puck skill or bad luck or anything but yeah like you hear that Benny Hill music playing you just know what's going to happen. They're completely unable. They could outplay a team. Like, they could be better than it. And, you know, there's not many teams that are actually better than. But, you know, in this hypothetical, they could outplay a team. And then at the end, they're just completely unable to make clutch plays. I'm completely right there with Kelly, what she said on ESH, just the curse of the boys. I think we have to go down to the skate zone with some sage or something. Just, like, get all that bad juju out of there. Get some, like, good vibes in there. Get fucking old dinosaurs of hockey off of the positions that make this, the decision-making positions. It's a little ridiculous that they're still playing with, you know, the non-cap era mentality. You guys are completely right. Nailed it on the head these last couple weeks. With Kelly going off and you going off. Thank you, Alex. Appreciate it. You were your volume was starting to fade there, so I wanted to I'm going to get out of the call. But no, you're you're like the team seems like like the organization, not the team, but like the front office appears to understand that yes, there is a salary cap, so that means we cannot spend more than a certain amount. They they obviously fully understand that. But they don't seem to then understand the implication. That means you have to prioritize things. And, yeah, $5 million for risk line, and when you don't have any skill is, is an issue. But, yeah, I, I, Kelly's rants the last two shows have been awesome. 
Uh, I think Kelly's been the MVP the last couple of DSH radios we've done. Oh, Kelly's here. How you doing tonight, Kelly? You're you're, you're on with us. Kelly, come on. I can't go to you. Oh, my God. I was oh, the person that didn't know how to unmute their call. It's embarrassing. <laughs> um, What's up, Kelly? Yeah, I don't. I don't know about you, but the second that we went into the third period tied and then they went up by one, I was like, it's happening. It's happening again. This was very much when they take a third period lead. It just feels like overtime loss. It's it. Every time. It's all it's almost funny if it wasn't making <laughs> <it> completely insane. <laughs> if it was if it wasn't every single night and like what I build my life around, it would be goddamn hilarious. <laughs> right. If I didn't care so much, I would laugh a lot about this. Um, yeah, I didn't want to, I don't want to hijack the post game from the people, but um, yeah, it's starting to get to a point where now I, I start every time we get to this point, I think to myself, oh man, Bill's going to be so pissed off that they're going to overtime. I'm glad I'm glad I've made it. I'm glad I've made it my brand that the like the five to twelve extra minutes of hockey we get is the (laughs) is the ultimate in like, yeah, he's basically in purgatory. Like he's burning in hell. (laughs) I like that people think of me. Like Charlie's there, you know, well, at least when they're home. Like Charlie's there. But people are thinking of me waiting for post game. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> all right bill get back to talking to people i'm gonna go back to uh, the chat then. all right thanks take care uh i love that kelly hangs out in the chat uh patrick reed miller patrick you're live on the post game hey bill how you doing hey what's going on tonight patrick i'm good i won money <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. would you have montreal mo- montreal money line uh no i put down uh atkinson and caulfield to score at any time so Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, there you go. There you go. 90 bucks. Yay. I'll take it. <laughs> but isn't it funny how, like, or let's see, a week before the trade deadline, we made it, that they put Morgan Frost with Claude Giroux and he's going to get to play with him, like, potentially one more time on Thursday? It's very, like, Why so and hopefully they help each other. Like, I'm hoping on Thursday Giroux has, like, a six-point game. That's oh, yeah, um, definitely. That's like that's the dream at this point. Is he just goes wild and then they trade him that night? Yes, Kelly. The deadline's next week. We made it. It's it's, I, it's been it's been so long for so long. The fact that it's next, like that it's the twenty first and the twenty first is actually approaching. It it feels like I've been stuck in a circle for months. Yeah, haven't we been talking about the trade deadline since, like, February? Since December, we've been talking. The yeah, season's yeah, been that's... over since December. <laughs> like, this has been all we've been doing. I know. I can't wait. Like, I cannot wait for deadline day to do a midday post game or something. Like, it's over, and this is what we're doing, and then I just jump on here for half an hour, and now it's all about the – you know what's nuts though? They have 20 games left after the after the trade deadline. I smell another 10 game losing streak once Giroux's gone. I like and once Giroux and Ristolainen's here to stay, but you think Giroux, Broussard, uh, Jones, like we only have so many NHL caliber players in the lineup. 
what happens when they sell? <laughs> they have to lose like 18, 17 or 18 to 20 to end the season. And hey, if I'm Chuck Fletcher, I'm calling up Toronto because they had a wonderful game today. I'm sending them Justin Braun and Martin Jones. Oh my God. That's, I didn't see anything about their game today, but just overall, the way they've been. Had a heck of a game, and Toronto uh, was a one line offense, and they need some defensive help because they're putting guys up on their defense in spots they shouldn't be, and they need that veteran presence. The way Toronto, yeah, the way Toronto has been playing, I've been thinking they're going to want Justin Braun real bad. And also, if you're betting their games and the games aren't lined at like 10, you should absolutely bet over in Toronto games. (laughs) Yeah. But hopefully Giroux goes out with a bang on Thursday. That would be nice. I'm hoping for it. I, I, I can't believe we're at this point. It hurts to talk about, but... We're here. That's... And I, I appreciate it, Patrick. And, yeah, it's... Now that we're here, I'm, like, starting to think about Claude Giroux. And, you know, this whole time it's been... It's been in the future. Like, yes, they will trade G. Yes, we will move on. And but now we're it's gonna happen this week probably. I assume it's gonna happen maybe Thursday night or Friday morning that Drew is gonna get traded. And it's emotional. He's I mean he's been here. Shit. Uh, let's go to Sean V. Sean V. You're live on the post game. Sean V. Sean, I don't doubt that you're talking, but I can't hear you. Uh, get back up, and we'll have you on. Warren Brody, Warren, you're live in the post game. Hey, Bill, I was at the game tonight. I have an 11 game plan, so I'm, I'm not one of those crazies that went out the last minute and got tickets. But I was happy. I was really happy to see G uh, score a goal tonight. And uh, you know, I think I'm ready to say goodbye because this era of Flyers hockey has really been. Pretty much the worst, and I've seen pretty much all of them except for the late sixties. So I'm ready. I'm ready to move on, and I don't want to see him back. I think we need to just kind of move on. Uh, I never he, thought. Go ahead, Warren. No, I, I, I just the way, and I was sitting right in the uh, this end of the ice where the fires just fell apart. It's starting with the groin hit. And I don't know how he got a five-minute power play, but then he ended up with a two-minute power play, which was kind of odd. And then we put Keith Yandel. I heard someone, yeah, we had Hand, Yandel and Hayes out on a four-on-three. Two, two of the guys that really I would not have put out there. I, I like oh, like overall the way Hayes has been playing. I've liked it since he's come back, and if he has to get himself back in shape to be yeah. able to ready to be able to be ready to go next season, sure. But yeah, like think in overtime in a four on three, let's put our best guys out there. Yeah, let's put the guys can who I, can't can, move because one hurt, one's hurt, and one sucks. Like, why are they out there at this point? Why not give Sanheim a chance to 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 uh... Show what he's got. I mean, I don't understand it. I mean, we he's a great skater. We're we're underutilizing him, but that's been an I know, agree. I I don't get it, but I think the coach is in the knucklehead. I I I I see I'm he's holds these guys a little more accountable, but he doesn't bench anyone, although he says now he's gonna bench guys. 
So I think I the coach is – I think the coach is exactly – if he has a good team, they will be good. If he has a bad team, they will be bad. I think he adds nothing. I think he is just there. Yeah, he's just like he puts the fourth line out like when you wouldn't – you know, they were behind the – you know, the tide or behind the game. He's got the fourth line out in the weird situations. He had the fourth line out in the third-pairing defense one time in the third period when it was tied, I, I just, like you're at home. You don't have to do that. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's tough to watch. I feel bad. Mike Yo is not going to be the, like Mike Yo might literally be a great coach. We'll never know. Cause he's not going to be the coach I, next year. I just they can't, can't give it to him. I just don't. I think they got to really get a hit at a home run with the coach because they're going to, it's, I don't know if, you can't rebuild a team and or retool whatever the hell they're doing in one year. So they're going to need someone really good and they need someone that can get uh, some of these younger guys like uh, Morgan Frost and uh, also Farabee, who's showing nothing right now. He showed nothing tonight. He, need, he needs to be more Him consistent. Him and have been a good pair, but he's been inconsistent and that's what young players are. Young yeah, players well, are inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah, they need someone to bring these guys along. Uh, That's, I, they I need somebody to, to get players from point A, like, okay, you show some promise to you're a nightly contributor. Like, Farabee needs – for this team to become what it's they think it might be able to, Farabee needs to become a borderline first-line player on yeah, a nightly one, basis. One last thing I'll leave you. I think the biggest problem with their defense is there's no leader back there. I mean, they have some talent. They have some decent players, but they need one guy to to kind of, you know, steady, I know steady everyone down, including Ristolainen, who's who does have attributes. I know he's getting ripped apart yeah. tonight, but he's the least least of their problems. You know, some of their higher end contract guys can't even get on the ice right now. So, uh, you know, at least he comes to play every night. I'll give him that. But I agree, he he gets. He gets a little crazy out there and out of position. So, you know, I think we need a leader back there, someone – and not Keith Yandel, please. Oh, God, yes, and thanks a lot, Warren. No, I think uh, I think this defense badly needs a, a veteran presence, and hopefully that's Ryan Ellis next year. Um, I very much think they need to add another top pair defenseman, but those guys are real hard to come by. So, you know, I really want one. But I don't know who's available. Uh, we'll find more. You know, it's not like the Flyers are going to acquire a top pair defenseman at the deadline this year. That would be asinine, honestly. <laughs> to make the team the least bit better at the deadline this year would be stupid. But I think they need another guy to play with Ryan Ellis who can, if Ryan Ellis gets hurt, which he will because he misses 10 to 20 games every year. Now, I don't expect him to miss a whole season again, but we have no idea. But he's going to miss 10 to 20 games because he does every season. Well, I need another top-end guy who then, who then can be paired with Provorov, because Provorov's only good when he's with those sorts of players. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, this uh, Ristolainen is the least – Ristolainen personally, he himself – on the ice is the least of their problems. Ristolainen being an organizational priority is an issue, but we won't know what they really think until uh, 
until the offseason starts. Kelly, did you want to get back on or was this a mistake? Oh, I messed up. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. You can stay on and take calls with me, Kelly. It's okay. Oh, okay. Why not? <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go to... Let's go to James Riley. James, you're live on the post game. Hey, y'all. How are you? What's going on tonight, James? Uh, not too much. Uh, I was listening to the, the radio broadcast because I'm in the middle of a four-day drive to Los Angeles. But I thought you'd like to know that during the third period, they wouldn't stop talking about how great Risto is at clearing the crease. I mean, it's, I mean not, it's shocking. not shocking. They're, <laughs> They're pushing, pushing the, the organizational, organizational, but like, like we're all watching we're all him. Watching yeah. He's, he's obviously not good in the defensive sense. Like that's not that's what he's not good what at. It's cool, it's cool that he beats, that people, he beats up, people up, but he's not he's good not in fr- in front of the net. He's an offensive defenseman that doesn't play any offense. Yeah, just thought that'd be a a fun little song that you. You would like. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, James. Uh, Kelly, how how do you watch games, Kelly? Are you on the Are you on cable, YouTube? How are you watching games? Uh, not cable. I'm watching on the NBC Sports app on my smart television. So it's the, it's the regular broadcast that would be on cable, but there's like a 20 second delay, which is annoying. That's uh, I'm on YouTube TV, and typically there's like a 20 to 40 second delay. When mm-hmm. they're on ABC or ESPN, it's two minutes. Like it's even when it's not just on the like Hulu ESPN Plus app. If it's like yesterday's game on ABC, I had a full two minute delay. That's wild. It has been insane. Let's go back to Harris Barnes. Uh, Harris, you're back on the post game. Harris, Harris, you're muted. All right, we'll try to get him back up. But let's go to Jeremy Lowry. Jeremy, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill. Uh, Kelly, I got a quick question. I know no someone brought up tonight, but I did see yesterday that Landis Cog is going to be out for a month, which almost puts him out of the playoffs. And I know you did comment on that. Could Chuck Fletcher get more for Giroux? And if so, how long do I have to wait to order a Giroux avalanche jersey? Kelly, how do you think this Landis Cog injury, it seems like he's going to be back right before the playoffs, if not like at the playoffs, they're kind of falling into one of those perfect uh, Kucherov situations where, oh, yeah, we get to put Landis Cog, you know, because they have a 13-point lead in the division. Like, oh, yeah, we get to put Landis Cog right before the trade deadline on LTIR. How do you think this helps the Flyers, Kelly? So theoretically, I think it should help Chuck get a little bit more out of them because, I mean, if anyone is going to fill in for your captain – I mean, a guy, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you would think that Chuck should be able to put the screws to them a little bit, but there's been rumors. I forget who it was that I saw tweet that apparently the abs and the flyers aren't talking much. Um, I'm not sure if that's because the abs were offering nothing or because Drew hadn't waved yet. I don't know what's going on there, but I mean, you know, just based on the rules of negotiation, you would think that now, they need Giroux more than they needed him before. So Chuck should be able to get more. I don't know if he will because I don't trust anything that he does anymore. I'm I'm off of Chuck Fletcher. <laughs> Guess we'll see. I mean, I just very much want to see a uh, power play of Giroux, 
McKinnon, Rannon, McCarr, and hopefully Landis Cog one day. I mean, that's 100% the team I want him to go to. That is the team I would really like to root for in the playoffs because they're so fun. Um, but, you know, Chuck's got a job to do, and he can't just send him to a team for nothing. So hopefully hopefully Colorado is feeling a little bit desperate and wants to shore things up heading into the playoffs, and maybe they need a little bit of something else. Like maybe they need to have a Justin Braun sent to them or something. I don't know. I don't know what – Colorado needs because I don't stay up past 9 p.m. Um, <laughs> but, but I don't know. I, I would like to see it happen because it would be the most fun for me personally. And I think that's important. And probably for you too, Bill, right? You like the abs. Oh, that's – I – like for both Giroux and for me, I want – especially now that I think he's coming back in the off season, like the, the surest bet for him because I think he only wants to go for a couple of weeks – you know, have a Stanley Cup final run and come back. I fully believe he's coming back now. Uh, Oh, yeah. I'm like, I believe – it's not the thing I'm rooting for. It's just what I think is going to happen. I think going to Colorado is the surest bet for him. And like like Jeremy, I really want either a Nordiques or a, like, 2000-era Giroux Avs jersey. I feel like yeah, I really want the one with the Bigfoot on it. Oh, the Bigfoot one has to be the has to be the Sasquatch foot. Like they took the best jerseys. I think Colorado, like pre-lockout era, us being teenager Eric Kelly. um, (laughs) I think their jerseys then were the best, and they've altered them just enough to be lame now. And I want I want like a Forsberg era Giroux jersey. Yeah, they used to have a sparkly silver. The sparkly silver and just the way they did the names on the back. It wasn't straight across. It was, like, staggered. I just – I love those. They were very good. But, all right, so, Bill, I feel like we always talk about players that leave their longtime teams and then they're just going to come back, but that never actually happens. It never actually happens. I just – I don't know. I'm just getting a vibe from this whole Giroux thing, like – I wouldn't be shocked right now if the holdup is his agent is telling teams, hey, he'll come for you. He'll come to your team. He will help you in your Stanley Cup final run. But uh, don't expect him to stick around. He's going back to Philly. Like I very much think that that might be part of the conversation. If that's true, then I, I worry about Claude Giroux's mental health. I mean, I worry about everybody involved in this organization's <laughs> mental health. Kelly, me, you, Charlie, Steph, Claude Giroux, Jim Jackson, like everybody who's been here for a while, I'm worried about. I I honestly wonder if like that's what he thinks his plan is now. But like he's been here for so long that he doesn't know what it's like. No, that's I think that's his I think that's his plan now. And then yeah. when he like crawls through to su- crawls through the sewer like Andy yeah. Dufresne style and he's out and he's like, Oh my God, I can see the sky. I'm not in prison. Like he'll, he won't come back. It's what exactly. I think his plan is right now. All right. I, that I can buy. <laughs> you got anything else, Jeremy? Okay. Jeremy's done. Uh, let's see who else we have. Harris is back. Harris Barnes. Um, hey guys. Um, Kelly, what's your cup final prediction as of now? Abs Canes. Exactly the same. I'm going to keep picking it until it happens because yeah. I've uh, 
it just like both teams have to get to a final. And I think Carolina has too much offense and now they have the goaltender. Yes. It's not going to implode last year, like against Tampa where the goaltending fell apart and they stopped scoring. I think they should be able to get it done in Colorado. They, they have to at some point, but Calgary is definitely, uh, they're my comp- other conference final team. I have Florida, Carolina and Colorado, uh, Calgary. So that'll be interesting. Um, conference final series teams. Um, and Kelly, where, where would you want Drew to go? Do you want him to go to the avalanche or do you have any other preferences? I want him to go to the avalanche just because I feel like this, that I think I've said this on the show that the avalanche have been doing what Tampa Bay have been doing, which is getting far in the playoffs and falling short Having an elite team, but not quite getting there. They're right. actually the Colorado Capitals. They've made yeah, it to the like, second round and can't get past. Learning the lessons that, you know, you have to learn along the way in order to actually get there. And I feel like like this is the year that they kind of have to do it um, just because of where they are cap-wise. So I would like him to go to Colorado just because I would like to root for Colorado. Um and I really think that they can do it if they don't get in their own way. Uh, but I, I don't know if there's any team in the East I would be happy with him going to. I mean, maybe Florida. Because I, I think if it's not the Canes, I could see it being Florida. We're the most attached from Florida. Like yeah. they're, they're so nothing to me that like if he goes there, it's like going to a West Com- Western Conference team. That's a good point. Yeah, I don't care about the Florida Panthers at all. So it wouldn't really matter to me emotionally. But, yeah, yeah, my preference is the avalanche. I would just enjoy that because, like Bill, I have a long-time affinity for the avalanche organization. Is that just because they won in 96 and 01? They were fun as hell and when I started to become a hockey fan. they were. And they're not Detroit. That was – I hated Detroit. <laughs> and since they got in those battles with the Red Wings – I was for them because they weren't the Red Wings who swept us in the final. Yeah. Um, also, Bill, I did look up the last guy to get traded at the deadline and get, then go back in UFA to the team he had been traded by is Antoine Vermette in 2015. So he went from, <laughs> Antoine Vermette. <laughs> so from the Coyotes, obviously, to the Blackhawks. Franchise player. Um, was not good in the regular season, then had very good playoffs for the Blackhawks, won the cup, and then went back to the Coyotes. And I'm presuming he went back to the Coyotes because they gave him the money he wanted. He was at the end of his career, and his yeah. injuries were catching up to him. But then, obviously, he went to the Ducks for his final two years. But that's the last time someone returned uh, to the team that had traded them at the deadline. So, um, like, if Giroux is that much in love with Philadelphia and really just doesn't want to move, which – like the, it's so funny. I remember when Steph brought up like that moving sucks, and like I just thought of it a little bit tongue in cheek at the time, but like it's exactly right. It's a pain in the ass. And yeah. um, imagine if he owns like a pinball machine, then moving is just a pain in the ass. The worst. It's what the third uh, most stressful time in someone's <laughs> life behind like marriage and having kids or something like that. It, it, it's or maybe job change, but it. It moving is that high up there. So, um, Bill, do you think it's going to be Colorado, Carolina, or do you have a Colorado, Florida? Uh, thanks a lot, Harris. Um, personally, I want to see Colorado, Tampa, because Tampa's window is now, and I want to see these two teams that have been 
like the best teams over the last couple of years. I want to see them actually meet. And I think Florida and Carolina have more years ahead of them to be able to get there. So I want to see the the Colorado-Tampa matchup now so I can see these guys on Tampa up against these stars from Colorado, hoping down the line I get to see Florida and Carolina in the final, you know, years from now. I guess, but I'm just tired of Tampa. Like they, they that's I love that's in <laughs> the team. If Tampa doesn't make it, the team that beats them, I will be rooting for because I always think of like I always want to see the greatness. I always okay, Tampa is the best, but then if someone beats them, they're the team to beat. So then I'm going to see that. But I always want to see teams overcome that. Like, I mean, Tampa's, uh, they're fucking awesome. They won back-to-backs. They put Kucherov on IR and still were an amazing team. Like, they just have everything at every level. I want to see Tampa or somebody that overcomes Tampa. Fair enough. I think we have – oh, this is a good one here for you, Kelly. We'll wrap it up with Matt, and this is a uh, Canadian gentleman for you here, Kelly. Oh, shit. Sorry, Bill. You're you're too quick for me there. Um, <laughs> you know what? I, I just got a quick question. It's not related to hockey shit, but um, That's fine. It, it's one of the you know more fun evenings I think we all had together. Um, can you lose a little bit like how – or I'm sorry, hey to Kelly too. Hello. Shit. Um, <laughs> Uh, can you allude to like how you guys know each other as like a podcast? Because you bounce off of each other really well, like including Charlie and everybody else, right? Oh, Kelly and I, well, I started I was at Sons of Penn and you had been with Broad Street Hockey already, right, Kelly? Yeah, yeah. I was with Broad Street Hockey for a couple of years before you and Steph came along. That's and you had done the podcast. Was it just you and Kurt? Uh yeah, Kurt and I and sometimes Albert and sometimes Colin, we would do a very, very poorly produced podcast sporadically where we called into like a, like a call in chat line. I used to call in on my, <laughs> house. and it was like, a we were doing our best. We didn't really know what we were doing, but, but we were doing that. And then uh, you guys were doing sons of pen. Charlie was our main writer. Yeah, he was he was the beat reporter. I mean, that's how Charlie made his name was with Broad Street Hockey. Yeah, yeah. Charlie went all in on writing for us and, and got himself a full-time job. But, yeah, so Bill and Steph ended up coming over from their other blog, and they were like, hey, we do a podcast. Would you guys like to do a podcast? And we're like, yeah, sure. And uh, since I had already been doing it, they let me do it, and we brought Charlie on because he was – you know, our main person at Broad Street Hockey. And that's kind of how it happened. It just so happened that we all uh, really like each other. Worked well with each other. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, know it's, um, you know, I appreciate everything you guys do. And it's, uh, you know, especially fun to listen th- this year when it's a little bit, you know, kind of more challenging for everything. So uh, have a good one. And thanks again, guys. Thanks, Matt. Thanks a lot, Matt. Yeah. Kelly, it's a, uh, I always, I always think you and I on the show are the most alike. Yeah. Because we're the longest time fans. Yeah. Like, Charlie's a fan the way we are, but, you know, he's a professional hockey journalist now. Uh, and Steph came to the Flyers later in her life. So you and I are the ones who've been with the team, you know, still to this point. Like, I call myself a fanalist because I like to give myself a title. But 
you know, I'm not a journalist or anything. No. I just, I just love this fucking team, and I think I have good, good, good words about it to say. I have absolutely no objectivity whatsoever, and I'm no. never going to pretend no. that I do. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I do feel like I've known you specifically forever because we are very similar hockey fans. We were both Phantoms fans when we were super young. Yeah, yeah. We have extremely similar tastes in popular culture things. <laughs> we do. <laughs> I guess, yeah. can you even call it popular at this point? I feel like we're too old for the, the shit we like ain't popular. We're niche, niche culture. Yeah. Things. Bill and Ted and Letterkenny. <laughs> and Trailer Park Boys. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it's just, it, I feel really lucky to know you guys. The four of us have a lot of fun together. It's been a ton of fun uh, doing this. And hey, we're going to keep doing it until when the Flyers win the Stanley Cup, I'll retire. How about, like, that's when I'll be done. I'll be done with Broad Street Hockey with the Flats with the Stanley Cup. I'll call it a day. And we, until then, yeah. I will keep doing this bullshit. We can't quit until we have at least one good season of hockey. We have not had one good season. They can hockey. try They can try to drum me out as hard as they possibly can. Never they will never get rid of me. Never going to happen. All right. And uh, Kelly, I really appreciate you joining me. It was uh, a ton of fun having you on the show tonight. And I love you hanging out in the comments during the post game. Uh, I, I enjoy someone engaging the uh, the audience who doesn't participate on the air, but is still here to listen, still gets into it in the comments and everything. So that's really cool. Uh, but that is it for me tonight. So I want to thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. Of course, I will be back. Uh, I'm trying to go to the game Thursday. And I want to say I'll do a post game a little later and, you know, get to it when I get to it. But I don't want to make any promises I can't keep because I had 14 beers. So uh, <laughs> we'll just say I will be here for you at some point in the next week. Uh, and I will do every game after the trade deadline. That's my goal to do all 20 games after the trade deadline for a post game. So that's it for me. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. And if you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Just search Broad Street Hockey, wherever there are podcasts, and boom, content, content, content. Uh, you get these post games. You get the flagship show, BSH Radio, Fly Perbly, Kelly's pregame show, checking out the competition. is excellent. Get you primed for every game. Flyers forecast. There's so much stuff. I don't want to name it all because honestly, I can't remember it. Uh, that's it for me. I'm done rambling. We've done like an hour 10 tonight. That's far too much for a uh, overtime loss against the fucking Montreal Canadiens. Uh, my name is Bill Matz. Until next time, have a great week, everybody. And happy St. Patrick's Day.